Yat a Steve Pelletier Yinishe, Maidishi Yinishli, Bilagana Bashashin, Kila Chitni Dachache, Bilagana Dachinale. Welcome back to episode two of Res Ball. Like I said, we're going to be talking about NBA draft prospects. And I want to start off talking about the top guys with the Thompson twins, who I like have been hesitant about for a lot of reasons, but they are incredibly exciting. You just got to watch them. And there's definitely going to be a lot to talk about them throughout this whole year. Let's get started. If you haven't listened to episode number one, please go check that out. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts right now. Working to get more on every other platform wherever you can get your podcasts. Episode one is all about sleepers, profile 10 sleepers, as well as the Matt Penny special where we look at one freshman who's not really going to be in the regular rotation, but does have draftable traits like Matt Penny before who used to co-host the Game Theory podcast. He identified Josh Primo. He identified Josh Minot. I try to do the same with University of Arizona freshman Philip Borovichinen. Please check that out, episode number one, and definitely pay attention to Philip Borovichinen, another great Serbian prospect playing here in Tucson, Arizona, where I currently reside. And these Serbian prospects, man, they've really been coming out lately, been able to pass the ball, shoot, super fundamentally sound, all the way from Nikola Jokic to Bogdan Bogdanovic. Nikola Jovic this past season, and there's just been so many good Serbian players coming out in the past few years. But again, today we are here to talk about the Thompson Twins. As the title of this podcast said, shooting concerns are going to be the main thing, but we're also going to think about, does that even matter? So the Thompsons are supremely gifted. I will break down both individually, Amen and Asar, their games, what I think of them first before getting into those concerns. So we'll start with Amen Thompson, who's getting a lot of love for the number three overall prospect in this draft and for good reason. He is listed at six foot seven, 202 pounds, 19 years old on Overtime Elite's website. To me, he's a point guard, number one, first and foremost, because he really knows how to handle the ball, number one. He has great handle. And number two, he just sees passes before everybody else. Every game, he'll dish out one or two that's across the court, behind the back. He just sees the court ahead of everyone else and has definitely got that lead guard vision as well and the handle to go along with it. Not super flashy, but able to do like inside out. No real behind the back stuff, but just things that get him open. And also he combines this with his power, six foot seven, 202 pounds, running point being the main ball handler, excuse me, you will see him go through contact. You will see him handle bigger people, smaller guys. He'll just run through them and be able to use his long arms. Not sure what his wingspan is yet, but it looks good and looks like it's able to go over under smaller people and maybe handle the the bigger guys that's yet to be determined 
Osar Thompson also plays for the City Reapers on Overtime Elite. He's listed at six foot seven inches tall, just like his brother. 207 pounds, also 19 years old. They are twins after all, so they should be the same age. I don't know why I needed to repeat that. Anyway, Asar is more of an attacker, more of a wing. You definitely see him get downhill, attack, and really know how to cut. I think being a cutter is one of those more underrated things of knowing when to attack the defense, how to attack the defense, knowing how to complement your primary ball handlers. Asar can do that and get up for alley-oops, be able to knife in there. And he also has one of the more unique shots of this draft class in his running hook shot. If you're a University of Michigan basketball fan, or if you were there like when Xavier Simpson was there, he's somebody that made that shot famous there, where you're driving in. It looks like you're just running baseline, but then you're able to hook it as you're almost um, perpendicular to the basket and get it in. And for somebody who's six foot seven, 207 pounds with really long limbs, as he continues to work on that shot, it's going to be indefensible if he perfects it. And it's hard to defend right now as he's still 19 years old, busting this out every now and then. It's a fantastic shot and serves him well as his attacking style complements it and definitely is useful. He's also a fantastic defender, just like his brother. They both really want to get after on defense. I think Asar can handle one through the four, so guard all the way from point guards to power forwards. He seems to be the stronger of the two twins and definitely somebody who wants to kind of get in there and mess up your business all the time, make life as excruciating as possible for the offense anytime he's on the other side of the court. So Asar Thompson, Amin Thompson, they both are good defenders and both have that size and tenacity to really get after it and defend a couple different positions. And then last but not least, I wanted to save this because both the twins have fantastic athleticism, which is why most people are putting them in top five, top ten. Why Amen is in top three is like, yeah, this is a taller point guard, somebody that has that vision and can attack. Oh, and to boot, this is somebody who has a gigantic vertical, who is super quick, is fluid, is also able to power through people. Again, size and skill, that'll be a... uh, type that I will reference every now and then is they are a size and scale prospect. What does that mean? It means that they have a combination of size, that they're bigger than everybody else at their position, and skill, that they do things that people at that size don't normally do. So like Giannis. Giannis was a size and skill. The ultimate maybe size and skill prospect to where you saw the six foot nine lanky a uh, Nigerian kid out of Greece that was able to handle the rock and move like a guard. I remember when he was coming out, Bill Simmons kept calling him uh, the Greek Paul George. And while he didn't become Paul George, he became better than Paul George. So size and skill prospects, that's what the Thompson Twins are because of their athleticism as well as the skills that they show on the court so far. Shooting concerns are the big thing for the Thompson Twins for both of them. And I'm going to give you some numbers. These are not like complete seasons and the way Overtime Elite has operated, it's been hard to find stats. The first bit of stats I'm going to give you was shared by our friend again, Matt Penny from last season, January 22nd. Nobody could really find stats and he went and visited Overtime Elite and just asked them, hey, can I see some stat sheets of um, people for to share with the draft community? And they were like, sure. So they gave him some stuff. Again, this was from January 22nd. 
Osar Thompson at this time is shooting 27% from three and 56% from the free throw line. Meanwhile, uh, Men is shooting 13% from three and 37% from the free throw line. These are obviously bad numbers, but again, it's hard to know how many games was at this point. I'm sure somebody can tell us um, when they look it up now uh, and any of the feedback here, but these are obviously not good numbers for guys that you want up at the top. And again, why shooting concerns are not just... You know, a little concern. This is pretty big. And they have played six um, exhibition games as well before the opener this past two days ago. So I'm recording on the 22nd. So the 20th is when they did play that opener. And in those six exhibition games, Amin Thompson shot 14.3% from three and 74.3% from the free throw line, whereas Asar Thompson shot 4.5% from three-point range and 50% from the free throw line. I'm getting these stats from the game logs on realgm.com. If you want to, go look them up there as well um, for your own purposes. Do these shooting concerns even matter though? I know it might be an odd question, especially for somebody that's shooting not just below 30%, not just below 20%, but below 10%. It's only six games. It's exhibition. I don't want to overreact from that, but like anybody that shoots 4.5% across a couple games and the better of the two prospects is shooting 14.3% from three. Yeah, these are major shooting concerns. But again, hey, it might not even matter because again, going back to the size and skill, Giannis had similar concerns, yet he had all this athleticism and displayed all this skill at his size that maybe that is going to be that same thing. Maybe it doesn't matter. Well, I've been somebody, if you followed me at Detroit Bad Boys, I posted my lottery preview top 20 preview excuse me of just incoming freshmen i had uh sar at 11 on the big board and i had amen at 10 so i obviously have them knocked down a couple slots over where a lot of people want to put them especially amen at number three because i think these shooting concerns really do rear their head of like how does this work in an nba game and I want to be clear here, too. I think Amen and Asar are both clearly in the running for the number three pick. But I also think there are 10 guys that could potentially be the number three pick if all broke right, because they do all have great bit of potential. If you listen to NBA Big Board, Rafael Barlow put out a podcast about, you know, the race for number three overall in this draft. And he laid out like five or six prospects, I believe. Go check that out. I think it's a little bit more than that. But he does a fantastic job of explaining, yeah, number three there's a race for this and there's quite a few guys that could end up being number three because this is a talented class for sure and thinking specifically about Amen for number three, why the shooting concerns might not even matter is, again, if he's a point guard at that size with that skill, the physicality, the athleticism to get up and jump and be able to move around and play defense. Yeah, that's somebody that definitely should be worth invested in. And we see that he's shooting 74.3% from the free throw line in these exhibition games. That's probably number one where to start with both of the concerns of like, maybe this doesn't even matter 
matter because we see it with a player like Giannis, where if you get to the line that much, then it really doesn't matter as much that you can't shoot the ball. We've seen Giannis airball threes. We've seen Giannis airball free throws, but he continues to work at it. And again, he can impact the game in so many different ways that, yeah, he gets to the line a bunch. Yeah, he does a bunch on defense. And oh, yeah, he can also be that main distributor and offensive hub. And it's with somebody like Amon, that might be the case to make for him for number three. Not that it's saying he's going to be Giannis, but maybe he is a force of nature like that to where if he shoots, that's the cherry on top of the cake. But even without it, the cake is still fantastic with no cherry. But what about for Asar, who's even in these preseason games is struggling 4.5% from three, 50% from the free throw line. What about that player? How does that player end up being in this top 10 or even you know, higher than that in that conversation? I think for the Twins, even if they don't shoot, even for somebody like me who's very concerned with these shooting numbers, there is one of three outcomes, possible outcomes that anyone can make the argument for with the Twins that are not far-fetched at all. Number one is being this force of nature. I say Giannis-esque again, not saying they're going to be future MVP, double MVP, finals MVP type of player, but just that they can do so many different things that again, shooting is just the cherry on top of the cake. The other one is they do end up developing a well-rounded offensive game. We've seen quite a few players do that. We'll think about that here in a minute. And the last one is Rodman-like on defense. I mean, if anybody remembers Dennis Rodman and, you know, me being Detroit Bad Boys contributor, Woodwin Pristard's contributor, the worm is a big deal to us. And anybody that grew up in the 90s watching basketball, you know the worm is a big deal and helped Jordan win those last three titles. Again, you go look at his stats, you just think, whatever, it's a lot of rebounds, not many points. But he was able to just mess up every opposing offense, rebounding like nobody's business. Maybe the Twins can end up being like that because they do have that you know, great athleticism that translates into a bunch of different ways. Even if they don't develop on the offense, they are able to impact the game so much on defense that they are worth this high pick. Again, three possible outcomes here that are not far-fetched. Number one is that they become Giannis-esque, where they're just such a force of nature, impact in so many different ways, other than shooting, that they still are, are very impactful and contribute to winning. They can pass. They can um, handle the rock. They can score, get after on on defense, or they can be just that Rodman-esque defender that messes everything up, pulls in a ton of rebounds, uses their athleticism to make it just a nightmare out there every time you step on the court with them. And the last one we're going to go into here is maybe they do develop a more well-rounded game because has there been prospects in the past that had this level of shooting concern that ended up working out in the NBA? The answer is yes. We Resball look back into the 2012 draft and up until the current 2022 draft, the most recent one. Anybody that went back further and looked at this in the comments, please let us know. But I just wanted to look back here and look at the past 11 drafts to see are there other players that had this level of shooting concern where the percentages are really bad. But then they ended up being not just, you know, a solid passable NBA player, but really good all star caliber or around all star caliber level of player. 
So I went back and looked at these past 11 drafts to see in these draft prospects two things. Number one, in their final season, whether they played overseas in college and another professional league, whatever, they had two things. Number one, they shot under 35% from the three-point line. So normally 35% is considered an average percentage. Did this prospect have under that percentage? And then number two, did they shoot under 70% from the free throw line? 70% was my compromise because under that for a center is concerning as well as under that for a guard and a wing is also concerning. A little more fluid, whereas 70%, you know, is fantastic or around 70% is fantastic for a center, whereas around 70% is really concerning for a guard. But it is still a benchmark that I think considers both positions. And I also wanted to consider that to see if the names that popped up were all centers to where like, oh, maybe this is more of a thing that centers don't have to worry about as much. And this should be concerning or if it applied to more than just that position. So going back to the 2012 draft and looking at every single player that was drafted since that year, there are eight names that fill up this list. They are... Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, R.J. Barrett are the first three in the most recent drafts. I mean, you can say they're to be determined, but both of all three of them, excuse me, did have under 35% from three and under 70% from the free throw line. So then I will just go out on a limb and say they're going to be good. All-star caliber, near all-star caliber. Evan Mobley's obviously already fantastic on defense. Does a lot of things for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Scotty Barnes won rookie of the year over my guy Cade Cunningham hashtag Cade was robbed although there's the Piston fan talking to me but I'm a humongous Scotty Barnes fan I was really high on him talked him into number four myself early in the year should have said number three over Jalen Green but that's a conversation for another day and then RJ Barrett as well these are three guys that seem like they have that star potential already there again under 35% from three under 70% it's not been that big of a deal yet in the NBA for them. The remaining five names on this list are as followed. OG Ananobi, Kyle Kuzma, DeJounte Murray, Pascal Siakam, and Jalen Brown. All very good players. All have been fantastic. All-stars already. Some near all-star level, but all have been successful NBA stories that now you can say yes for certain. Those shooting concerns did not matter, either because they did develop a well-around offensive game or they did not need that three-point shot. So let's look at each of them individually really quick. OG Ananobi is one of my favorite players. I really wanted the Pistons to draft him in the ill-fated Luke Kennard over Donovan Mitchell draft, but that's uh, that shouldn't go into that. Let's move on. We have Kate Cunningham. In his final season at Indiana, OG Ananobi shot 31.1% from three and 56.3% from the free throw line in 16 games. He got hurt, so maybe that was part of it there. But as an NBA player, his career percentage from three is 37.2% and his career from the free throw line is 71.2. This past season, he posted a career high from the free throw line, both in attempts and percentage at 4.5 attempts and 88.9%. Somebody that's put in time on his jump shot and profiles similar to the way Osar Thompson does, in my opinion, of being this small forward that can move over to the four if need be. OG's obviously a lot bulkier at 6'7", 230. 
32 pounds. He did play center at Indiana, but definitely put in that time and work and utilized his athleticism. But I honestly think, too, if he didn't have a jump shot, he would still be useful as that small ball center, uh, can rebound, can pass a little, has developed in those regards. And again, the explosiveness, his ability to get up and just get dunks and do switching and do a lot of different versatile things on defense. And he was able to put in that time and immediately, even in his rookie year, was 37.1% from three on 2.7 attempts. That's a good start for a positive indicator for even a SAR who hasn't shown fantastic percentages. OG's percentages were not fantastic either. Someone whose percentages were more up and down in the NBA, have been more up and down in the NBA, is Kyle Kuzma, who in his final season at Utah posted 32.1% from three and 66.9% from the free throw line as like a small forward, power forward, which he's continued to play in the NBA and now currently is a 33.9% point 39.3% excuse me a career shooter from the three-point arc he's posted two seasons where it was under league average and one where it was 34.9 otherwise it's always been over 36% so somebody that has again gone up and down but shown to space out the floor helped the Lakers win a title they haven't been the same since they traded him away not to say that he's like the missing piece or anything but that has obviously been something that he learned how to do in more of an off-ball role and less of a featured guy. Got better as a rebounder as well. Not as athletic as Asar or Amen. Six foot nine, 221 pounds, was able to transition over to power forward. So another guy that, despite the percentages never being that great, because even though he was a junior at Utah, never really showed fantastic three-point percentage, never posted above 32.4% from three, never posted above that 66.9% from the free throw line, just continued to work got on a roll and got better. So another one that versatility helped and just being able to focus on that shot in an off-ball role and as a role player in the NBA helped. And the final three players on this list I think are the most helpful for me for somebody who's like, I don't know about these shooting concerns. I really can't shake them when it comes to the Thompson Twins where shooting might iron itself out. You might just let them play it out and work it out and it'll be fine. Or they might just be so great on defense that it's fantastic. Or with this next guy on the list, you know what? It does not even matter if they shoot well. And I'm talking about DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray coming out of Washington shot 28.8% from three. Terrible. And then 66.3% from the free throw line. Not great either. In the NBA currently, he's a 32.9% three-point shooter. This takes into account the two games he's already played this season. But those percentages are also buffed up by his rookie year where he shot 39.1% on just 0.6 attempts per game in 38 games. And then in 2019-2020, it's 36.9% on 1.7. So there are two years where the percentages are good, but it's on extremely low volume. The past two seasons, 2020-21 season and 2021-2022 season, he was 32.3% on 3.7 attempts per game. And his free throw percentage went up and it's 77.3% currently for his career. That's the thing that has mattered more. Not that he's gotten to the line a ton, but he has been able to pick up the uh, attempts there as well. But also in the two-point percentage, he is 48.4% in his career. Last season in San Antonio on 
a bad team. He was 50.4%. And 50% as a guard is fantastic, putting up 21 points per game, 8.3 rebounds, 9.2 assists, two steals a game, just knows how to play point guard and number one, defense, defense, defense. This is somebody that should always be in consideration for all defense team. He was all defense in 2017, 2018, has been a one-time all-star. Last season was the steals champion, got the most steals in the NBA with 138. So this is somebody, again, that shooting does not matter. So when you go back to somebody like Amen, this is like the number one argument you could make or one of the top arguments you could make, I think. Not that they have similar play styles because I think DeJounte Murray has more skill and more in his bag in terms of scoring inside the two-point arc. Amen is more at the rim, attack-oriented. It hasn't quite gotten mid-range stuff or floaters or anything. But again, this is the same theory here of, look, DeJounte Murray does not shoot doesn't get to the line a ton but because he plays defense so well he can help in so many different ways he still is able to be a 20 point per game scorer dishes out nine over nine assists per game can be the steals champion in the nba but with amen now it's like oh you know what he can do this and on top of all that is a fantastic athlete is a lot bigger and can finish and get up and have verticality that Dejounte murray just does not possess so this is a good indicator number one in my opinion but steve you might say is Dejounte murray really worth the number three pick in the 2023 nba draft i mean he might be it depends on what you think of the rest of the field but i know a lot of people think a lot higher of prospects like Keontae George, Nick Smith, Jarris Walker, just to name a few. So, okay, let's think about this with the last two prospects then. The next guy on the list is Pascal Siakam. I think him and the final entry on the list of guys that shot under 35% and under 70% in their final year before coming out of the draft are the most helpful for thinking about the Thompson Twins. With Pascal Siakam coming out of New Mexico State, I'm all too familiar with him. I'm a UNM, New Mexico Lobo alumni, and yeah, Pascal Siakam was good there. Did not think he would come into the NBA and become the player he did, but fantastic worker, fantastic dude all around. And New Mexico State in his final year, he posted 20.0% from three on 15 attempts, did not take very many, and then 67.8%. From the free throw line, this is a player that took 17 total three-point attempts in his two years at New Mexico State as well. So nobody thought this would be a three-point shooter at all, did not take them. That was not his role. In the NBA currently, he is a 32.8% three-point shooter, three attempts per game, and is 77.1% from the free throw line. And I think Siakam is helpful, one of the more helpful ones for thinking about the Thompson Twins because, yeah, while the three-point shooting has gotten better, especially in the past three years where he's taken more in the 2019-2020 season, in that 60 games, he was able to up his three-point percentage to 35.9% on 6.1 attempts per game, which was a career high. Took a bunch of them and was able to prove that, yeah, I can hit them at high volume. Fell down the year next year after that at 29.7, but then the this past season went it up back up to three 
34.4% on 3.2 attempts per game. So he's able to stay around league average. But you know what? Also, it does not matter if he can hit them at league average because of everything else that Pascal Siakam is able to do. If you're not watching the NBA and paying attention to what he's doing right now, he's definitely on a tear. In Cleveland in that opening game, he scored 23. And then against Brooklyn the other night, he had 37, I believe. He's averaging like 30 points per game right now, 11.5 rebounds, 6 assists. Again, this is somebody that impacts the game in a bunch of different ways. But he also took four years to really develop into a primary offensive initiator. An initiator is not the right word, more like primary offensive option. His first two years scored under 10 points per game. Even in his third year, which was his breakout year, he's under 17 points per game. Shot 36.9% from three in that year, but only 2.7 attempts, so not a ton. Still more of this defensive specialist there that you could throw on small forwards all the way to centers to really mess things up. But again, that's where we can go back to the Thompson Twins. This is a career path arc that I think could really point to why you want this number three, this to be the number three guy in any draft. Again, Pascal Siakam would be worth that number three pick, in my opinion, because of, number one, the defensive versatility. He's able to guard centers through small forwards. He was able to continue to develop and work on that three-point shot. Mainly was able to develop in the ball handling abilities as well, which I think both Amen and Asar are further ahead, in my opinion, on that front. And also the Raptors did not rush him. I think this is always something with every single prospect. And if we go back to the Giannis-like uh, things too, like is, are they going to be a force of nature like Giannis? Giannis didn't have expectations. I think we always forget that. Giannis came in in the 2013 draft, which was, again, unheralded. He's a 15th pick. And everybody was intrigued by what he could do, but there were no expectations on, them, on him. And it was Jabari Parker in that 2014 draft that everybody thought was going to be the Bucks' savior. So I think with Amen and Asar, like that similar Siakam and Giannis path would be have to take where less let's take our time. Let's take a few seasons to get them in a role and let's take a few seasons to let them just iron out the kinks and really have a plan for what they're going to do. Because by the fourth year with Toronto, Pascal Siakam was able to score over 20 points per game. 7.3 rebounds started becoming more of an actual playmaker, three and a half assists, and it's just gone up every year since then. And that is really where he's developed to still has that defensive versatility to cover small forwards through centers. Now, able to knock down shots and more of a streaky shooter maybe not as consistent as you would like but will be able to get on a hot streak and knock them down free throw attempts continue to go up as well every single year it seems his free throw attempts are going up they've been over 300 since 2018 2019 he's been able to get over 300 attempts every single year continues to be a good rebounder as well and then like i said before the playmaking the ball handling being able to be a primary off offensive option continues to come along i think you could see that with amen and asar and most of the people i've seen that really want to argue for them as number three especially amen like yeah i can see it with this and it's not that they're going to be the power forward center small forward siakam is but they can be the other side of that coin point guard shooting guard small forward they can guard through all those three positions and oh let's develop them to be the primary offensive option as well 
And the final one of this list, under 35% from three, under 70% from the free throw line that helped me the most was Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is one of the best examples for me personally of understanding, oh, those people that say don't just rely on stats. Yeah, this is prime example number one and reminds me a lot of the Thompson twins just in terms of the profile. Not that they have similar games, but the profile is similar in that, yeah, you're going to look at these percentages and be like, oh my gosh, why is this the number three overall prospect? But then you watch the film and every single game, something stands out. There's just something about him, whether it's feel, athleticism. You just see all the size, skill combination that you don't normally see in a six foot seven, six foot six prospect. Jalen Brown, six foot six, 223. Again, size, skill type of thing. Came out of California to a program that's not known for pumping out superstars. I think the last real big prospect they had before that was maybe Jason Kidd. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that, but there are not many big stars coming out of Cal. And at Cal in his final or his freshman season, his only season, he shot 29.4% from three again. Absolutely horrid, terrible. There should be no excuse for that, you would think. And then 65.4% from the free throw line. Again, these are horrible combination of shooting numbers that would make you think, why in the world did the Celtics take him number three overall? But like the Thompson Twins, again, was able to have this athleticism you don't see in somebody six foot six, 223, can move like a guard is explosive, was able to dish out 68 assists. The turnovers were high at 105, but he was still able to flash things that normally in the wing position you don't see like this. And then again, the free throw attempts were 140, or excuse me, 217. So he got to the free throw line a lot. And again, this is a ball of clay, just like the Thompson twins. And what do you know? His first year in the league, He's not scoring a ton. He didn't start many games, only started 20, but he did play 78 total. Jalen Brown scored 6.6 points per game. Shooting splits were 50.7% from two, 34.1% from three, and then 68.5% from the free throw line. Still coming along slowly. The next year, bam, it, it clicks. 39.5% from three and 64.4% from the free throw line. You're still wondering, is that free throw percentage going to get up? I don't know what's going to happen, but every single year after that, he's able to continue slowly, slowly, slowly get the free throw percentage up until finally this past season was 75.8%. And since 2019, 2020, it's consistently been over 72%. So that's fantastic. And again, the three-point percentage, 39.5% is second year. It has not dipped below 34.4% since then. And and that 34.1% is a, is a excuse me, as a first-year player, almost a freshman player, as a first-year rookie in Boston was his career low from three-point land. Career right now is 37.3% from three and 71.3% from the free throw line. So yeah, I think Jalen Brown is the most helpful in terms of looking at those percentages and maybe putting it into context of, hey, maybe this team isn't so great. Maybe they have to take tough shots. Maybe this athleticism is just such an outlier that you're really not going to matter if they shoot or maybe they will be able to develop to shoot. So I think Jalen Brown is the prospect that should be pointed to if you're going to make the case for the Thompson Twins number three overall. But even then, you can look at DeJounte Murray and you can look at Pascal C. 
Siakam and say, hey, even when they're not going to shoot at the top level, if you give them that development time like a Pascal Siakam or if they're such a great defender and point guard like a a DeJounte Murray, then you know what? Yeah, they are worth the number three overall prospect. And again, we have to factor in they're both six foot seven, around 200 pounds. And especially for Amon, I totally understand that case that this is a point guard and you're saying, oh, they might have Jalen Brown type potential. Oh, they could be DeJounte Murray level defender. Oh, they could have that kind of defensive versatility and be able to come in and be a primary offensive option after three or four years like Pascal Siakam. Yes, that's worth a number three overall pick. There'll be people that I still will look at in detail as we go further along. For me, I always want to see it on film to at least put them up. And that's the thing with the shooting that I will say at the very end here is that they just have to be willing to put in the time in the games to put them up. What I like to call is the Giannis gene. What is the Giannis gene? Giannis gene meaning like they will put in the process they will put in the work and they do not care if they look cool they do not care if they airball it they just understand this is for my development and this is for my ability to get better like a Giannis you know he's missing free throws in the finals he's putting up weird shots he's trying out new positions in his first year because he understood it was about development if I don't do this live in game then I'm never going to get better at it and I'm sure there's other people you can say Jordan Kobe who've done the exact same thing right that's how they've gotten better but I always name it the Giannis gene just because that's the most recent example we've seen and we've seen at the highest level where when you have these size, skill, position guys that you're not quite sure what they do well on offense yet and they have these holes like shooting to where the only way to get better at it is to put in that time and work in the games. So uh, that is really what I would like to see more out of the Thompson twins is like it doesn't matter if they don't go in, just put them up to get in those reps. Asar has been a little bit better about this in those six exhibition games he took 22 three three point attempts whereas Amon only took 14 and again there are times where on the film that I've seen from last season from the TBT tournament and from these exhibition games where especially Amon is turning down open looks that has to change and they will have to get better at it again maybe it's going to take uh, three or four years like Pascal Siakam but that's definitely something that should change because when you're somebody that doesn't need to be guarded out on the perimeter you got to come up with something else and that would be fantastic and that would be something that separates them being a DeJounte Murray level prospect versus being Pascal Siakam versus being Jalen Brown, which is why I wanted to end with those three. DeJounte Murray, you still do not have to really be concerned about as a three-point shooter, right? You can just leave him alone, leave him out there, and it's on him to make the defenses pay. It's yet to be seen if he can really impact winning in playoffs and overcome this lack of shooting, whereas Siakam is able to do it at a good enough rate that, yeah, you do have to pay attention to him and that all the other skill set that he has has to be accounted for and then oh he knocks it down enough to where yeah we can't just leave this person wide open and then Jalen Brown the highest level outcome there were oh now he does have a three-point shot we have to pay attention to this guy all the time and yeah it can get us to the finals so those are the three I think when thinking about these shooting concerns that help me the most and make me think maybe I should bump up both the twins and I'll be keeping an eye on them to see if they impact in the ways that three these three have or profile in the way that that Brown Siakam and Murray have even in college 
Thank you so much for listening to ResBall episode number two. Like, share, subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify, where we are currently. Continue to work to be on other platforms. Like, comment, put anything you can in the feedback. It's always welcome. Happy to be here. And please let us know if there's anything that you want to cover into the future. It is going to be mainly focused on the draft, as these first two episodes have. In the coming episodes, we will do more NBA stuff just talking to other fans other people that i work with and through the piston stuff through draft stuff so stay tuned for all that and again like comment subscribe give us feedback any way you can it is always welcome we want to improve and serve you as the audience just to let you know upcoming topics are going to be previewing conferences in college basketball telling you who the top ncaa returners are in college basketball and also making the argument that, you know, maybe there should be only freshmen in the first round. That might be bonkers, but there are a lot of talented freshmen in this first round. And you'd be surprised how many of them I want to put in that first round, as opposed to maybe holding off on the second year players. And we'll definitely dive into that more in the future. Again, thank you so much for listening to Resball Hagone. Let us know, like, comment, share, subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Hagone. Thank you.